0: Mouthing Off is a theater, arts, and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Amanda Forstrom.
1: I'm Kevin Couchman,
0: And I'm Mari Sittner. Mouthing Off
2: features compelling interviews and discussions with creators and artists from around the Twin Cities and beyond.
1: Tune in for something different online, where you get your podcasts at badmouthtc.com and on the air in St. Paul from Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM.
0: We hope you enjoy the show.
1: back with another episode of Mouthing Off a Theater Arts and Culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company coming to you from the Twin Cities. Uh one of our one of our co-hosts is in New York. That's all right. She's honorary. Mari, how are you?
2: Feeling very honored to be honorary. How are you? How are you guys?
1: I'm honored that you're honorary. And you, Amanda, here in Minnesota, how are you, Amanda?
0: I'm doing excellent. I guess I am also honored.
1: The, honor with the honoring. Is, yeah, <laughs> we're and we are very honored legitimately earnestly honored to have a guest that we can bring to you here on the old-timey radio in St. Paul but also online. We are joined by Matt Kelly. He is the creator of the Dark Pony Radio Show podcast. Poe Co- owner of Shadow Horse Theater. He's a quadruple threat. How many threats are these? He's a producer. <laughs> actor. He's a
0: dangerous he, man.
1: He's a dangerous man. Yeah, I think we already got our show, uh, our episode <laughs> yeah. title. Producer, oh, no. actor, director, and writer. Uh, and he is on the show to talk about their audio first venture, which is something we know a little bit about here, Dark Pony Radio. Matt Kelly, welcome to Mouthing Off. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. I, I'm glad to be here. Right, but I'm, not honored. Uh, I can be honored. Um
2: <laughs> you're the guest yes. of honor. There, there we go. go. Yeah,
1: yes. enough. Excellent. Excellent. And uh Matt, how let's let's get let's get right into it. So tell us sure. about uh this radio show that you have, this Dark Pony Radio and how it came to be. What are you doing now? Let's hear it. Uh well, it started out um thinking of other options to do more creative
3: things to do uh just trying trying to because you know theater sometimes gets just to be really expensive to Mm. put up a show especially with rental spaces and things like that so what else can we do to either make more money or uh, keep the creative juices going this was all pre-covid uh we were this was being talked about and then um lockdown happened (laughs) so immediately we're like oh we need to think of another option, um, and so the the concept of the podcast has been talked about. I worked on a podcast project with another company um, prior to this, and then uh, it just never really developed anything with them, and kind of went to do just kind of fell flat for for me, and uh, no longer with that company per, uh, per se. And I was like, great, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing this. I want to keep doing it um let's do it with shadow horse and because we already have a built-in production team so let's let's see what this is all going to be like and this adventure and go from there we'll take the classic 30s 40s 50s radio shows and see how it goes um so we did we tried it we did our first recordings we got a sound engineer uh and it kind of blew us away right out of the Mm. gate and Mm. we're like great this is what we want to do this is we love it it's so much fun let's keep let's keep going Uh, Let's see where let's see where this this adventure goes.
1: Um, What about it blew you away right away?
3: Uh, Well, it like our sound engineer, uh, who I should who I really should mention, Benjamin Conklin, is phenomenal. Uh, He uh, took the scripts and just kind of elevates it to very much an atmospheric world where you are in that space uh, with the actors or uh, just hearing it. Um, in your car or even on just some really good speakers, you can hear like that bullet travel from the left ear to the right ear. You can feel the entire world coming around. It's uh, it was an unexpected surprise of that cinematic kind of feel to the, to the storytelling um, versus just a classic like uh,
1: sound effect. Sure. Super important. If you hear the bullet coming from the left ear, that you also hear it coming out of the right ear, ear because right. otherwise, presumably, uh, you're dead. Yes. So, <laughs> very good. I will. Uh, where? Which episode? So you can hear a bullet on the first episode. Oh no! Won.
3: Actually, no, no. Mm. Actually, I don't know if we've had any. Mm. I'm oh. trying to think of gunfire. Uh, we might have some coming up in the next one, but we really, it, I mean, a lot of the violence. Outside of some of the more recent ones, has either uh, just kind of happened with physical violence because it's easier to make a punch sound versus
1: mm.
3: um, someone staring at each other in a tense situation.
1: <laughs> so, whap yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's very cool uh and it, who is who's this engineer did you uh, i'm sorry if you didn't name name them oh but... uh benjamin conklin uh okay he's, very, uh, he's also da,
3: does a lot of music outside of it as well and um uh yeah we uh, we have mutual friends and eventually finally just got together and was putting his direction and he's having fun with it we're having fun with it uh, it's just a joy um, every time I get it back from him just to just to hear it and be like, oh, my gosh, that's what it sounds like, because we record. We don't record with any of the sound effects. Um, so we honestly don't even know what it sounds like till I hear the finished product. Um, we don't even sit in the editing room together. We just kind of we just put in the script and I throw it at him and I go be creative, have some fun and gives it right back to us.
0: That's excellent. It sounds so much to me like um, the company that I work with doing voiceover is called Graphic Audio LLC, and their tagline is movie in your mind. Mm. So you can go and you can have a portal and you can buy all of these books that a writer adapts, and then a director will come in and direct every character has a different voice, and they will put – you know, uh, their own music for, you know, the theme for the characters, and they'll have the gunshots and the horse whinnies for the Westerns. And, you know, uh, and they do all kinds of books, everything from like Western to sci-fi. But uh, and they 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 take books that already exist and somebody else outside writes. So like one of the biggest adaptations that I was a part of was um, I think Sarah J. Mace is her name, Mass. And she did A Court of Thorns and Roses. And I play Morgan in that one, but oh. I just have a question about how you pick your material. What stories do you choose?
3: Uh, some of that is uh, rights based, um, because like doing modern adaptations of anything that there's some great stories out there, but trying to get rights to to even do an adaptation can can bite us. So a lot of it was started from the classic, uh, like sorry, wrong number or uh, Three Skeleton Key. Uh, and start with those to just kind of give us a good, strong base. And, you know, it, it, why not throw some of the classics back in there that people have heard and see what we can do with it um, and just have some fun. And then uh, as we started doing that, we started filtering in. I think our first adaptation, uh, my first one was Ve, Uh And a lot of those stories have no rights because they're they're old, they're o- o- public domain. So it was easier for us to just hop in and play around with it and see what we could make. Um and, and you know, starting at the end of this season, uh, we'll be starting to do some more original content. And then in the season three, hopefully some more original content outside of it. So trying to just evolve it naturally and still have that kind of library to go back to.
1: Absolutely. This is where things really begin to happen, too, because you build up this. You already had a theater company. Mm-hmm. So and you were looking for something to do even before the pandemic, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people maybe fell into this. Mm -hmm. Uh, during that time, and maybe their whole heart isn't in it. Uh, But you make do with what you can. It sounds like you all had this idea prior, so that's very cool. And uh, this this is, like I said at the top of this, Like this is how things happen, right? You have this company, and then everybody's building skills, and everybody's developing themselves and developing their talent. And this, this pivot uh to include original content that is that's very exciting what's the what's the thinking behind that will you be writing some of it uh, uh actually you- yes the last two episodes
3: of uh this season which we have yet to record but uh those will be completely original uh one was an idea I had years ago um and I wrote a very very terrible script for it Extremely terrible. Like I can't <laughs> explain how terrible it was. It was pretty oh, terrible,
2: no.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but the concept was sound and the original idea was to try to do it on stage or do a short film um, and try to do something fun like that. But now that we have this, it's like, well, let's just rewrite it. Let's add some, let's do a better writing of it and, <laughs> and use it on the podcast. Um, some of it also comes from like because we have two hosts, and those are completely original characters that we created, both with the help of uh, our two hosts and and uh, and myself. Um, Mara Rose plays our our fantastic pale lady, who's like this creepy crypt keeper, Elvira esque uh, host. She was our main original host.
2: Awesome. Um,
3: and then uh, we, when we got started looking to get music put into the our opening music and closing music for the podcast, uh, at the time I'd reach out to Carnage the Executioner about creating original piece for us, uh, and, and he did. And now, sorry, uh, Carnage De- say, uh, sorry, Carnage the Executioner, local no, okay. uh, hip hop oh. mouth, uh, um, huh. yeah. In, in town and he, Carnage
1: the Executioner. Yes, uh, he is fun. fantastic. Uh, I will we <laughs> need, need to find this fellow. He sounds like yes. he'd be a good guest too. Cool. Exactly. Oh he would yes very much. <laughs> all right. Um, but does his mother around. call him Carnage? <laughs> I you know what? I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. We have to find out. We'll go to the barbecue sometime. But anyway, yes, yes. go on. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh cool.
3: so um he started having fun with uh playing uh creating the song um and then that kind of it, it got even more creative, and then we created this character, and he became a secondary host. So he actually plays uh, the dark gentleman. Uh, so now, I mean, I shouldn't say secondary, but like they're the main hosts. Um, uh, he just doesn't hop on right away until I can't remember what episode in the first season. But um, and and so yeah. now we have these two original characters in this world being created by them, around them, for them, with them. Uh, and time is a good vehicle for us to get into that original content even more and
1: see what comes out of them. Are you trying to do kind of like a Twilight Zone kind of a vibe, or how would you describe the vibe to somebody who hasn't heard? Right now,
3: it's it's that very episodic, very uh, X-Files Monster of the Week style, um, Twilight Zone style, uh, where currently, um, and it might change in the coming seasons to something more, more it's the best way of saying it um i keep plotting out the next seasons and then i keep changing the plot because something else happens in the next episode and i'm like oh well maybe i'll wait
1: (laughs) so it's all rather meta there's a kind of a through line (laughs) happening throughout all of these uh not quite clear
3: yet but it will become a little bit more that for sure will become more clear next season it was more of like Ah. let's build a base of these characters in this world um we had one live show already so that's also an additional thing we want to start playing with uh with doing a live radio podcast as well and and have that even be a bigger vehicle for
1: those two uh, those two characters so it's the it's the dark pony radio verse (laughs) honestly yeah it is it's a universe yeah Yeah. love it people can find it at shadowhorstheater.com and that's Mm -hmm. theater r-e shadowhorstheater.com amanda you had something
0: no, I was just gonna say, Kevin, he's talking to the right guy because of Art of Darkness. Um, ArtofDarknesspod.com.
1: Yeah, so- Art of It's Artofdarkpod.com. And that is my other podcast about the dark <laughs> side of creativity. We just passed a hundred thousand streams on that pod on nice. April 1st, and that was no joke. Very exciting. And I know that so we do biographical profiles of dead artists with an emphasis on their dark side. We just did Borges, which was awesome. We did Marilyn Monroe. Also a lot of fun, but very intense. I came away liking Marilyn a lot, but you, I saw that you, you have some episodes on Dante's Inferno and <laughs> we're covering Dante later this year. So I think you and I, uh, behind the scenes, we've already chatted a little bit. You're going to have to come on Art of Darkness as well later this year to talk about Dante, but Tell me a little bit about that, about uh, the Inferno and what in Dante. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Oh man. So that I back in college, that was actually one of my first
3: writing uh, endeavors. Was trying to adapt Dante's Inferno because hey, why not? Let's go big or go home. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So it was it was for a school project, uh, (laughs) and I did it. It was like a full semester thing. Uh, Then I put it away because I was like, I always want to do it. I want to do a stage production. I want to do something enormous for it because to be honest there isn't much as far as great ad- adaptations of Dante's Inferno in the world besides just reading the book or the poem Um I mean there's a few out there but they're not they just mm, they kind of miss the whole thing Um they hmm. kind of miss the whole point outside of the video game which I think is the closest true adaptation of it which is even more interesting. Uh, Wait, <laughs> which video what, game is what this? video game? Yeah. Uh, it's called Diablo? Dante's No, it's called Dante's Inferno. It, it's straight ah. up as you run around as the pilgrim uh to save your uh, save your love uh
1: through each of the circles. Oh, so it's but it's the Inferno and yeah. not uh, the rest of it. Okay. Uh. Yeah, everybody fixates on the Inferno of yeah. course because it's the most metal. Uh yeah. <laughs> to yeah. be
3: honest, it's the best of the three, too. They they kind of progressively get either weirder or just Eh, hmm. good try yeah. um, hmm. between the other two um, as a whole. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, so uh, I was thinking, well, let's revive this. Let's see what I can do. So I took my parts of my old script. I went back to the source material and just sat down and was like, great, we're going to do it as close as we can to the original story. Um, uh, we did have to cut some stuff out of it just for length uh, reasons. Uh which was all right. Um, the the biggest, the biggest question in our minds was, do we keep the references? Do we keep, cause for him to have those references in there makes way more sense, but to someone that's yeah, never well, heard yeah, it's it. Like, it's
1: super political and it, it's mm-hmm. extremely nuanced because it, yeah. it, 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 it's coming out of when did he write the, when did he oh, write God. this? The 16th I, century?
3: I, I have, have to look dates. it up. Yeah, yeah I know yeah, it's and,
1: fine. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up right now. I do this on Art of Darkness all the time. <laughs> it's a 14th century epic poem. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. For some reason, I felt fa- I thought that it was later, but I think it's it's probably be- because of its uh, like extreme degree of influence. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it the poem begins on the night of Maundy Thursday, which is coming up. Uh, we're, we're coming up on Monday Thursday. It's Holy Week. Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, go on. How did you get into this? Do you, do you, do you speak Italian? no, right, right, right. Um, no, I, uh, this was before I really discovered
3: my like passion for horror and all that is dark and theater Mm. and arts and all that. So this kind of was like, not quite the, That really pushed me there, but it was kind of that pre-ultimate, like, if we're going to talk about dark and twisted things, well, again, let's go big, let's go home, let's go straight to hell, let's see what this is about. (laughs) Um, You know, I actually read it in high school uh, and and was looking at that way uh, back then uh, and just really fell in love with, like, the concept, the whole concept of how the hell was arranged. Uh, I loved just the entrance itself like was the big highlight for me. was just the statement of right out of the gate. It's just like, let's say what's on the gate and go. Um, Isn't it Abandon all hope ye who enter here. That's the very last line of it. Yes.
1: (laughs) Woo. Again,
3: very (laughs) metal. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah,
3: Very cool. But like the concept of the city of dis is there like things you would never expect. And then also adding that Greek mythology in, uh, to, um, a more Christian mythological story arc. So some of it when you do read it or hear uh, the episodes, like Dante does bastardize some of the mythology and creates his own kind of thing with it. Um, You know, so it, it it was quite an undertaking. I really enjoyed it. We just launched episode three Mm. uh, and some of the sounds that Benjamin made, uh, especially for some of those circles is, unbelievable like how do you describe someone upside down in in mm. a pit of grossness you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um their their or their feet burning or and knowing it's their feet you know uh, mm. so we really got into this realm of having um a great performer perform for virgil too, uh taking down and i actually discover through this it it's really it's really virgil's journey just as much as dante's uh because you know dante just sits there and kind of is like oh what's that what's that oh what's that what's this um and he, he does that whole uh matrix thing of just being there and asking questions every five seconds uh you know virgil is the one that has to take this human through mm. the worst things that he or uh, in this case, uh, they don't want to
1: ever experience again. Mm. Mari, you had yeah. something.
2: Yeah, you mentioned that you got into this sort of before developing your passion for all things spooky <laughs> and scary. Mm-hmm. So where does where does that come from your your love of horror? How did that uh, develop?
3: Honestly, at first, I don't even know. It just kind of happened because I used to hate horror movies. I used to not like getting scared i became a haunt actor for a long time for a while um, in college and it it kind of still happens now um then i just discovered you know i was also an improv for uh, still doing improv but i was doing improv for so long so the idea of fear the idea of coming out of fear using fear as your advantage um and then Mm -hmm. as i got older and older through theater i was just noticing there isn't much Horror, like there's a lot of thriller, there's a lot of psychological, there's a lot of mystery, there's a lot of things that ten- make, make tension, which is great. Uh, but I always wanted the concept of how do I get someone to come to a stage show and drive home with the lights on, go into their house, check every corner of their home for the next two to three days? Let's just say that. Mm. Uh, how do I do that? Because, I, I mean, film can do it film can do it every which way but for whatever reason someone will go into a theater walk out close the door and be like well that was cute that was fun yeah it was kind of creepy now I'm okay um it, you know and I know I know what horror is always in the eye of the beholder like anything like comedy or, or or tragedy what what scares me might not scare uh you know anybody else or vice versa um
1: so With one I, exception the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. truth yeah. Uh, um, yeah
0: that's so interesting because i've talked uh to a lot of other actors who have a love of horror uh mm-hmm. that you know you have those some shows will kind of touch on it or try to do it like woman in black for example oh, Beautiful. um show. yeah and it does it leaves that feeling of just uneasiness like you would have watched a horror movie and it sticks mm-hmm. with you even or if you see an image that reminds you of it two years later you just kind of catch yourself like oh my gosh I remember feeling this way and you get caught up in it and you know so much we focus on plays that you know make you laugh and have that feeling and like good memories and things like that but horror is a uh, you know, kind of steered away from, and there's very very few and far between. And Mm -hmm. one of the moments that I wish people would get really right is in Hamlet, you know, when, uh, when Claudius is, or, or, uh, what's his name? His dad, the ghost comes, comes back. And when he first sees him and Horatio sees him, I'm like, that is like supposed to be horror. That is supposed to scare the pants off of not just the people on stage, But like everybody in the audience, you know, I I have this production in my head where there are like all these different fathers that sort of look alike and being in the audience and standing up and scaring people and, you know, putting their hand on their shoulder or something. And so the audience is with Hamlet, like, holy crap, what's happening in my head? What did I see? What did I feel? And I just I, I long for that in the theater sometimes, that full sensory. I wonder
1: thing. how Do much it. of. Yeah, Let's I, I agree. I agree. I wonder how much of it has to do with the sort of dominant ideology that that operates in the theater and the sort of quiet machinery in the sky that we all sort of assume is the water that we're swimming in around "quote unquote" realism and so forth. This isn't a theory cast, and I don't think we want to get too much into it. But <laughs> um, I would say the, the the plays of Sarah Kane qualify mm. as. <sighs> Truly horrific, uh, but they don't. But not purely horrific. Genre in theater is very, very strange to mm-hmm. to touch on. Like you, you wouldn't find yourself saying, "Well, I went to see a western." Well, yeah, but maybe you did just go see a Sam Shepard play, and mm-hmm. you know, like, so what is true West and? But yeah, it, it, it's it's a little bit unusual it, 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 in the theater. I don't exactly know why. I did see the adaptation um, in London of of uh, Let the Right One In that oh, they did, which okay. was very cool. Mm. Oh, did, did they do awesome. the full transformation uh, transformation on stage
3: too? Did, were they able to pull that off? Which transformation? Well, there, there's a part in the play where she physically turns into the monster, and uh, I, uh, did they did they do it? because in the movie it does it with all the blood coming down
1: ah yes you know that's not the moment that stands out to me the moment that stands out to me is there's there was a jump scare in the middle of that production Mm -hmm. where she was inside the coffin and uh or the bathtub or whatever and it was legitimately heart-poundingly frightening they also brought a tank of water on stage Mm -hmm. and like did the the drowning and everything mm-hmm. you want to read. you want to read a real horror story read what happened to the rights uh behind let the right one in and how <laughs> the the poor fellow who wrote the novel now has no say about where it lands mm-hmm. uh that's a real horror story uh yeah. but yeah so what are, what are your theories Matt about like how to actualize I guess horror on stage and then maybe why again it seems so difficult and and unlikely uh
3: I, I it's such a weird beast because i mean we have horror fest here uh and there's some great shows that get put up there uh and the ones that are uncomfortable and scary usually are body horror specific mm-hmm. uh violence on yourself showing the gore that because it, it's so visual you could just show it in, in just like film um i think people still have a disconnect uh, versus I can sit in my room, close, turn all the lights off and be encompassed on this TV and focused. And as soon as you hear a bump in the room, you know you're like by yourself or with one other person. When you're in a mm. room full of 300, two, 200, 300 people, and they're, you're all experiencing the same thing. Right. But it's, I think the images also happen faster on film. You can mm-hmm. do quick edits. In theater, you can't really do a quick edit. You do a blackout, but it gives the audience enough time to be like, oh, Okay, next thing, you know, and reset versus uh, building that tension just through the editing, through the film, uh, through the art of film. Um, you don't... know, e- even on the podcast, we find it difficult um, to 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 try that because uh, I I I like for us uh, on our horror stuff, I don't find stuff scary, but then I've heard from other people who've listened to it, like I couldn't sleep. From, because of this show i could not sleep and i'm like thank That's you awesome. which one was it and uh a lot of people say it was um the first our first episode sorry wrong number which is a creepy episode but i was like really that one doesn't seem scary to me <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, I, and i'm wondering too if it has something to do with like you were saying you know being alone or just hmm. with one or other two people watching watching a film uh But then being as versus being in a room full of two hundred people where you can hear them, but you you there's some sort of comfort knowing that there are a lot of other bodies around Mm -hmm. versus being kind of isolated. I don't know.
3: Well, it it, it's kind of the the haunted house kind of aspect too. Like yes, you could have five six hundred people go through a haunted house, but yet you can still walk away terrified or you know uh, in in a ball curled up crying. Um, It's it's finding, I see the trick is finding the right thing for your audience. And, and when you do have so many people in a room, what triggers me for horror isn't going to be the same as, like I said, as the person next to me. It could be, mm. but as actors, you really don't get the opportunity to shift left or right to make that adjustment as you would like in a haunted house per se to be like, okay, they're not scared with that. But if I do this, got them you know i i can read that audience member i can get in there i can shift it now i can make them feel terrified and individualized uh when you have a script you're like well this is the story if you didn't like it you didn't like it there's not much there's no wiggle room for us to do it so and that might have something to do with it too um
0: yeah you know, and what i it's And what I think, too, like when you keep bringing up haunted houses, I think the elements that are so scary is because it's so sensorial, where on film Mm -hmm. it's just like this thing that's up in the sky and it's like away from me. But, you know, you have the noises, you have the breeze, you have the smell, like, you know, like the smell of like blood or the smell Mm -hmm. of something burning or, you know, the smoke and, and it's hot in there. And, you know, you have all of those which is another thing that I wish theater would play with is like full sensorial theater, mm. you know, oh.
3: don't, 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 don't take my secrets. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, I mean like doing a Sarah Kane play or like, what, a gosh, what is that one play that like was making people physically sick because it was so gory.
1: Not. evil. Dead. The musical. I are can't... you thinking Sarah, are you thinking Sarah Kane or a different play?
0: I can't remember. I th- I thought it was playing like in the UK and then they were going to mm. bring it over to New York, but they didn't just because like the reviews were like, I couldn't sit through this. I, I saw mm. somebody gets physically sick. I Whoa. saw somebody faint. And oh. the the cool. power of it is it's out there, you know, yeah. and I think it's kind of like the little ring, you know, it's like, do how do we wield the how do we wield the powers?
3: Well, well there was um for example, we've been talking about doing a show for Shadow Horse for quite some time um, and, and have been going back and forth on the rights with it. Uh, it It is ex- extremely horror and it's extremely uncomfortable. Um, That's not, not really gory, but it, it people have read it, have had to put it down because they're just like, I can't I can't go any farther with this. We just need to pause and take a moment for ourselves. Uh, but half the play takes place in a uh, a pig farm. And I was like, great. We're gonna make our entire theater smell like a pig farm. Everyone's gonna be living in this space yes. uh, with this victim, and you're gonna enjoy do you, it.
1: Do you rent, uh, do you rent the space because they're gonna love that? You might want to right. let them know beforehand. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you put some hay, you know, down so everybody gets that crunch mm-hmm. of like walking
3: on. Or you the hay just have everyone down. sit on the hay.
1: Uh, <laughs> Oh (laughs) Yes, Um, I I do love this kind of thing. And I think this is this is something that theater needs to focus on and emphasize and not shy away from. Uh, You know, a thought occurred to me as as we were we were talking here that cinema in a way, uh, in terms of horror benefits from the coldness of the medium itself, because the people who made Alien don't care. They don't know who you are. It's mm-hmm. like this cold, mm-hmm. dead thing that's just projected, and you're yeah, you're there with another audience, but they don't have you in mind in particular when you mm-hmm. sit down in that theater. There's there's an implicit warmth that's in the theater where like you have to get over that hurdle, and that's something that I think you know dramaturgically you have to address. I think I think about uh, Sleep No More and the way they mm-hmm. dehumanize yes. everyone with the mask. I got a special treatment at Sleep No More uh has anybody has anybody else seen sleep no more ben i haven't more?
0: but i have friends who did it for years and i think now they're doing it in amsterdam so he lives over there a great actor classical actor named Louis butelli he's absolutely mm. fantastic
1: matt have you did you uh,
3: see it? i have been wanting to for so long uh yeah. but no i haven't i know
1: quite a bit of it but i have not had the opportunity kevin, it, it, kevin it, what is I, sleep mm. no more yeah, Sleep No More is a, like an installation show that in Manhattan took over, I think two or three floors, actually I think three floors of like it used to be like a three-floor nightclub or like three different mm-hmm. nightclubs um in, in, in the bottom of Manhattan. Uh and it is like a mashup. It's it's uh, experiential, right? So you show up and there's a there's like a kind of a 1920s style band playing and maybe you have a table if you paid extra money, probably you don't, you're standing there then. And I'll just go into my story. I hope you don't mind if I go on for a bit, uh, Matt, mm-hmm. but um, you know, they, they give you, a, you get a card, Right and well, I I don't know how they do it. I if they don't do it different ways, different times. You hear that they're always constantly changing it up. But basically, they give you a mask. It's like an anonymous looking mask. Um, you look like a ghost, and you get into an elevator, and they take you upstairs and just dump you into this like palatial space, and you and the other ghosts kind of have to like go and find where the actors are activating different. Mm-hmm moments and it seems to be the story of Macbeth but it also has a bunch of Hitchcock and a bunch of Kubrick and it wouldn't surprise me if there's a bit of Lovecraft and Poe yeah. uh and and of course those are those are writers that you uh have have riffed on uh Matt with your <laughs> with your show and I want to talk about Lovecraft after this but this let me tell my story real quick so I went with my friend Abby Lucas who's a great director, we're screenwriting partners, uh she's a very good friend of mine and uh we we get into the elevator we've got our masks on the elevator goes all the way up i think to the 6th floor or whatever oh. and the steward shoved me out of the elevator oh into gosh. a dark hallway the elevator closed behind me and i'm in a dark black hallway and a light comes on and an actor in some old time dress sat me down in an old timey wheelchair Wheel, lay me flat oh my on my gosh. back, wheeled me to the end of the hallway and music played. It was like the start of a Hitchcock film, like an early, like a thirties or a forties Hitchcock film. And there was a, like a, I don't even know what you would call it, like a diorama, like a um, a model of some ancient uh, estate. And there was music and she was giving a speech. I don't remember a thing about the speech. I think it might've been from Mackers. Uh and then she sat me up, wheeled me to the other end of the... to Back to where I came from. Uh, you know, she wheeled me, wheeled me back first, I think. Sat me up and vanished. And then there was a an, another usher was down the stairs. There were some lights and just was beckoning me to come downstairs. And I came downstairs and I joined the party. And I wasn't able to say a word about it until anybody, like, <laughs> after. Because <laughs> you're not talking to the other ghosts. It's wild so it it, that combines just some of the best of what theater does it uses the medium Mm -hmm. uh it's been raved about Mm it's it it, it is but in a funny way and this is not to diminish it at all it's a glorified haunted house it's a very it's the haunted house elevated to the level of fine art uh Yeah, go on. In, yeah. Well,
0: interesting story to piggyback on you, Kevin. I uh, so I lived in New York for about a year, and I was working on with a company had an internship in Fort Greene, uh, called the Irondale Ensemble, and they're fantastic. And I was deciding whether to move to DC to pursue theater or stay in New York. And the last audition that I had, and I didn't go on. Was for sleep no more to oh, be. I know, I know.
1: <laughs> because You I, could have been the one.
0: I could have, been, could the have been the girl from the wheelchair. The I could have I could have wheeled you around and we we met oh, each other and we never come, would have known.
1: Isn't we've that crazy? Come, it is crazy, but we've come we've come full circle. Uh but I it, you seem to be resonating earlier, Matt, with my my comments about it being cinema being kind of a cold medium and, and theater being a little warmer, but like the radio play. Mm-hmm. That's that has the that veers towards cinema and I know what you're talking about I know I know people who love to put on their headphones and just I'll be like what are you listening to scary stories <laughs> and that like that's like a genre so wow. I mean are are you all is that that's your audience for this I imagine Yeah I mean
3: it is intended to be horror it is intended to be thriller um it's not intended to be true crime in fact I don't think we have done anything that's been close to true crime and the stuff i'm looking at is gonna be more like noir so uh because we were uh our other, uh, our other producer max uh besner and i went to vegas uh, earlier this month for a podcast convention um and oh. everyone's like oh what do you do and we're like well we do uh you know like a radio drama fiction podcast true crime huh nope we do horror. So it's true crime. No, it it's horror. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we, we had to clarify that's not true crime. Oh, that's interesting in this whole thing. But yeah, it, it, people still love the true crime. Everyone wants true crime.
1: Women. It, it's a huge, huge it's genre. Huge among women. Yeah. Uh, Eddie, um, Mari? Well,
2: I mean, yes, but that has so much to do with the suspension of disbelief Mm -hmm. in theater is that with true crime, you know, you don't need that suspension of disbelief. But when you go into a theater and people are doing something unrealistic in front of you, you do. As opposed to a movie, you know, you can portray something extremely realistically. And I think Mm -hmm. so few people are willing to... Suspend their disbelief so far to believe that someone's really being maybe killed or tortured in front of them, or that there's really a monster in front of them. Mm. Unless you know you're being wheeled down a hallway.
1: <laughs> ah, yeah, that was pretty intense. <laughs> Cinema also in horror benefits from just the fact that they can like. Uh, like our friend Matt said earlier, they can tweak it to perfection. If I'm not mistaken, that jump scare in Jaws, for example, my favorite movie, <laughs> where he finds Ben Gartner's body uh, in the wrecked hull of mm. the, the boat. I don't think that was in the original like cut. I, I can't remember the exact details, sure, but man. he... That that all that that stuff was obviously shot on like a soundstage, like a water soundstage. Later, you can just clearly see if you look. But apparently, he just like he worked on that jump scare and the timing of that jump scare over and over and over on different audiences in the theater. You can't you can't really do that, can you? Because it's different every night, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the advantage, like
3: uh, the podcast has is we do have the editing ability. We do have a way to use the sound and the music to really build the tension. I mean, theater does too, but we can clip it just to that right point to build it. Okay. So we have X amount of seconds, tension, tension, break or tension, build hold, and then let it go. Um, you know, you, you like I said, theater, you get one shot. If, if it even is slightly off, it destroys the whole thing. Um, do you guys so, know the
2: show Wait Until Dark? It's also a movie, mm-hmm. but that has it has a moment that seems to have been tweaked to perfection. The spoilers, at the end of the play when the little girl opens the fridge. Mm-hmm. That is like the only play that I've seen that like you get a gasp at the same time Oh, every show. Do you know the show?
3: I, I know, I've read the show. Mm-hmm. Um I've not seen or heard it. So like reading it is also different for me because it'd be like, oh, that's cool. And not really think about it being super creepy. And yeah. then when you know, when you put something up, it's like, oh, I know how to make this creepy and then make this uncomfortable.
2: That is a very creepy yeah. show. It's more noir than horror, yep. but it's that moment is it, is thrilling.
3: It's a very accessible horror. And mm-hmm. uh that's one thing I also do like is um the genre is in such a weird flux right now with uh what they call the heightened horror and classic horror slash i mean like the john the sub genres are astronomical but um <laughs> right now heightened horror is like the thing that everyone's what going is, to what is heightened uh, horror
1: is it 24 uh, like stuff
3: uh like get out or yeah, uh right. no yeah um yeah, yeah. uh midsummer uh even i would even say is uh, aria stars new one that's coming out um is also in that category.
1: Um, Midsummer is what I imagine your family reunions look like, Amanda. (laughs) You you standos. yes (laughs) yes
0: <laughs> up here you know
1: it's like when the sun
0: comes out we just all go sun drunk you know we all get crazy the snow's gone
1: and woo, we never know what's gonna happen uh, do you no, know about you know what, yeah go ahead I'm oh, sorry yeah. no, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: there's another play that I, I remember having a huge gasp and it's again kind of like not a horror genre but it mm-hmm. the moment is and it's a McDonough play uh, uh, Beauty Queen of Lenan, the ending of that play when she's I don't know. Should I give it away?
1: Uh, spoilers. It- okay. Spoilers. spoilers. Go. I- okay. Frog down.
0: Yep. Here we go. Okay. So <laughs> she is this woman who's living with her mother, taking care of her mother. And she's just, the mother is absolutely awful to her and totally messes up the potential of a beautiful love that she has. And the guy ends up going away and she is alone with her mother in the house. And her mother always rocks in this chair and she comes <laughs> up behind her. She's monologuing. And all of a sudden she tips the chair and the front of the of the mother's head comes off like she had killed her and it's the last moment of the play and everyone was you know like oh my god you know had no idea and you know mcdonough's so is, is, the, is the
1: implication that the mother's dead uh, throughout yes. the play oh i see okay no Very that good. she
0: that she was living but like but the the whole se- the last scene the implication ah, she's, she's been sleeping done. She's sleeping and that, you know, she's finally unloading this to the mother and she's just silently listening and rocking in her chair and not saying anything while the daughter unloads, like all the things that she's Uh finally been feeling through the play. And then you find out that she's been dead.
1: the, the, The daughter kills her. Yeah. Yep. Love it. That's it's good. So good stuff. Good. And that's a great moment. Yeah. But yeah. that 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 falls into the body horror category. But that sounds like dramatically earned. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's a that's a tension horror right there. Like that's
3: just a that's just a good ending. Um, and, and it could be you could theoretically put that in that higher that like uh, elevated horror genre because you know it's uh like hereditary. I still think is a good one too. Um, mm-hmm. where it's. Even the actors talk about being a family drama. Never really thought of it as a horror film, and it really isn't until you get to the the one, the first horror moment. And you're like, "Oh, okay, that's where we're going to go." And then it just keeps getting weirder, and you're like, "I'm I'm on board," but oof.
1: it all uh, kind of goes back to like Rosemary's Baby, oh. uh, uh, is, <laughs> Chef Kiss, amazing movie, yeah. I was just I've just been binging Mad Men again and I got to the oh, uh,
3: the, so the moment
1: where they're watching a movie and they come right out of the movie and you don't know what the movie is and then they start talking and you realize they just saw Rosemary's Baby and that mm-hmm. is so effective in Mad Men because they do such a good job Placing you in that world, Mm -hmm. that it's almost like you get to uh, enjoy Rosemary's Baby again because you go, "Oh my God, what must it have been like for somebody in 1966 (laughs) or whenever it came out to see that? That must have melted faces. You made a reaction, yeah. Oh, The Exorcist. I mean, it. Yeah, it's changed everything.
3: uh, Yeah, and you, if you were to watch it now, you'd be like, "Yeah, that was that was all right. It wasn't anything scary. I'm like. But at the time it came out, there was nothing like it. Nothing that would even touch the stuff that they did in that film. And, you know, how many Exorcist films are there now? I mean, not of like the main storyline, right. but. Sure.
1: <laughs> Rosemary's uses, Baby
3: was. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm just saying that uses the same techniques that the Exorcist
1: created. Yes. Yeah, Rosemary's baby was 68. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't even know what year I'm in in Mad Men. I got to keep Wikipedia up at all times. Uh, so, a, it, yeah, go ahead. Oh,
0: no, I was just going to say that uh, if with, I think it was The Exorcist, that somebody I know, their mom was watching it and pregnant with them and like <laughs> had to leave because she was so upset and was like, I might have a baby in the movie theater watching the watching this film <laughs> which is just wild i love it, it. still
1: holds up it's creepy creepy yeah. creepy i think rosemary's baby is obviously the finer <laughs> yeah. film i don't think there's any contest there although i do love max von uh super cool we we touched on two great american writers uh mm-hmm. when you know we i mentioned uh poe and lovecraft we've not done poe on art of darkness yet but we have done lovecraft Lovecraft is experiencing a uh, kind of a strange Renaissance. People are always like reassessing him and reappropriating him. It looks like you did at the mountains of badness. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. What was that like? Uh, it was like, I I've read
3: select stuff of Lovecraft and I've had friends who are deep into the lore and love it. And I've known little things here and there. Um, and then I started, I was like, oh, we should do a Lovecraft piece. We, sh- we really need to. So I talked to some of my friends. I dug deep into it. Uh, I started reading a lot of the short stories first. Then I was like, I'm going to do Mountains of Madness. Uh, one, it's it has less issues we need to worry about in it compared to some of his other work uh, and um, to navigate around. And we can still tell the story pretty straightforward. Um, and it, it's still not like usually when people hear lovecraft they think cthulhu like that that's that's it like that's where sure. we go sure. and yeah. that's that's the piece of it and then like there's even more lore beyond cthulhu and like discovering all the elder gods and the gods that aren't the elder gods but the other gods the lower gods the mid gods you know all these different creatures um so we uh, we did a it, uh, we took mountains of madness cuz uh, you know it's written in a very a first person point of view it's it it's it's not really conducive to adapting to multiple multiple characters uh so we turn it into an interview story um where there's somebody interviewing uh dyer william dyer who's the the person that's in the first or that's in mountains of madness uh and and their experience through going to antarctica and discovering and literally falling in that world of going mad from sound and specifically sound because musical piping is used uh in that piece so well so we can, we had to build our own music or actually i say we and benjamin had to build this musical piping um and create this sound that's going to trigger not only us but the characters in the moment um cool. what do you mean musical and, piping what do you mean so it's described as musical piping in the book Oh uh, yes, for oh, the sounds that they keep hearing, yes. it's supposed and it's supposed to uh, sound like not like wind chimes, but like cave, almost natural sound on top of it. So you're mm. sitting there confused if it's like wind going through a cave or if it's something supernatural or something uh, otherworldly. So I just i I looked at Benjamin, and go here you go, and <laughs> good luck. Uh, <laughs> um, cool, what a fun challenge we had a lot of fun with that piece so much much we wrote a sequel uh, to be honest uh, which we did in season 2 because even Lovecraft talked about wishing he'd he'd written a sequel to Mountains of Madness because it just kind of ends and Mm. they fly off and it has a really weird I think it's uh, it's a really sought after ending um, because one of the people completely loses it goes absolutely mad at the end to the point where they're like of uh, because they saw something and that's all it's ever described in the book that's all you ever know and everyone's like what'd you see we want to know what you saw what'd you see Um so there's a lot of discussions uh, on several forums about like what they actually saw what they witnessed um things like that so why not why not take a stab at doing a sequel and see what happens which um, episode is that uh, the sequel is oh gosh I need to pull it up now
1: uh, I got uh, it right here. Not, is it Valpurgisnacht? No, no, that is actually R- the... Return to Madness. That's it. <laughs> there yes. it is. Yeah,
3: Valpurgisnacht uh, yeah. Well, well, is the um, adaptation of Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula's Guest, which is like the mything chapter from Dracula. So instead of doing all of Dracula, we just did the guest part, uh, which is kind of a separate story. It's written completely different. Um, and it kind of went in line with our live show uh and our next episode as well, because it was an homage to uh Sheridan La Fanu's Carmilla, uh, which is what like the second vampire novel to be written and probably I would say better than Dracula. I will Ooh. I will say it's better than it's one of my favorite I, I fell in love with Carmilla. Um it's if you haven't read it, it's fantastic. It's all uh, it it predates the lore that we know of modern vampire um it's a it's a love story like every character we've discovered every character in that story uh is all about love like the whole thing's about love and an allegory for love um the lore is completely
1: different it's not what you'd expect uh yeah well, so I've got to kind of bring us on home here. Uh <laughs> this has been a very uh, fun chat. Horrific. The time has, yeah, yeah. horrific. Yeah, honored I love and it. horrific. Yeah. <laughs> the time is just blasted by. This has been a lot yeah. of fun. Matt Kelly, Dark Pony Radio at shadowhorsetheater.com RE in the theater. Matt, is there anything else you want to promote or mention to people? Got anything coming up?
3: Uh, well, uh, We just uh, released our, uh, Dante's Inferno part three, which is the last one. Um, we also do use local actors and we feature a local actor for each episode or for each grouping of episodes. So it's not just like our troop. We actually try to find local people here and highlight their, their talent um, and, and get their voice out there uh otherwise uh, we have uh, we just recorded our next episode so we're excited and that will be carmilla brand new cut of it uh compared to the live the one we did so when is um, that going to be released mm-hmm. end of this month nice yep cool it's a monthly show is, so
1: yeah oh very good this is yep. april of 2023 if, if i'm an actor in the twin cities and i want to get in touch with you all do you take uh or do you go and cast out of the community how do you do it uh right now it's just people i know
3: or we've used i mean because drinking game we've met so many people in community we've worked with so many people uh i always throw it out to every drinking game cast if you're interested just connect with me uh messenger is the easiest way uh just because i can always like go back to that and check it you can also just email us uh the website email or dark pony radio dark pony radio show at gmail.com also works cool um Awesome. but uh
1: yeah it's uh, we're Fun. always looking for new talent dynamite so. and 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 of course if you're into true crime you're gonna love <laughs> no I got that wrong uh I promise I was listening actually you probably you're... you probably would because it's still horror uh there you go <laughs> get over <laughs> so. to shadowhorstheater.com and check out dark pony radio Matt Kelly thank you for joining us on mouthing off a theater arts and culture podcast from badmouth theater company badmouthtc.com. Bye-bye, 94.1 FM, Frogtown Radio. Bye-bye, friends on the internet. Hopefully we didn't scare you too much.
2: (laughs) Good night. Thanks thanks again. Thank you.